0: Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch, means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Say it every night, I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. And my DM's always wide open on Twitter at jmartzone for a faith-based conversation. If not me, hope you find somebody in your life that you trust to have that conversation with. So we're going to talk about a couple of different things here tonight to finish off the week. Hope to see a lot of you out at Nissan Stadium tomorrow night for the big kind of kickoff showdown. I was at the Titans Pro Shop earlier today, and a lot of people buying stuff, buying gear, getting ready. Football started last night, I guess, with the Hall of Fame game 14-10. to 10. We'll talk about Vic Fangio, and, uh, Vic Fangio and his comments about Drew Locke here in just a second. But I've said before when it comes to player options – and team options, and mid-level exceptions, and much of the minutiae that surrounds contracts in sports, that I'm a bit of a novice. I understand enough that I can get by, but if there was one thing that I'd like to learn better about the industry I cover, I would love to just take a course on money and sports and how all of that works. Understand every bit of the terminology, how everything plays out, how all these exceptions work. If I could become an expert in that, I'd feel a lot better about this job because a lot of it does entail talking about people's money. And there are just things you don't feel all that comfortable discussing. Maybe someday, but until then, I'm going to give you an an analogy tonight. It might sound rudimentary. Like a lot of you might say, "Uh, yeah, but maybe this will hit some of you as well. I debuted this a few days ago when I had Alan Bell on. I've had him on for the past couple of nights. He's awesome. He's going to be with me a lot during the NFL season. Does great work over at 24-7 Sports as the lead for NFL content for that just unbelievable organization. You can follow him at AllenBell247. But this is the way I view money in sports today. Now, it depends completely on the sport being discussed. For instance, you got Michael Thomas getting a five-year, $100 million extension from the Saints. And that's one where it seems like a no-brainer, like there was no choice for New Orleans in the matter. He's overperformed what you could have reasonably expected him to do when he came out of Ohio State. He's been great in that system. He's caught an absolutely absurd number of footballs and has, in my opinion, along with Alvin Kamara, in my eyes, extended Drew Brees' career in a lot of ways. There are some real mortal times watching Drew Brees these days. And some of those blemishes are being covered up by what these guys around him continue to do. And look, I'm not slighting Drew Brees here. He's an all-time great. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a phenomenal athlete. He's a wonderful public figure down there. He's one of those guys where it's incredibly difficult to dislike. Now, there are a lot of quarterbacks where it's polarizing, in your opinion. Some people probably don't like Baker Mayfield. I happen to, even though I can see his mouth getting him into trouble. I've never been a huge fan of Ben Roethlisberger, never been a huge fan of Aaron Rodgers, not on the field, off the field, just based on what we know about them. And maybe they're just over-covered, but there are athletes that are hard to like. I've always liked Phillip Rivers, but I had the – nc state connection to him and even as a broncos fan i've just kind of enjoyed the way he goes about his business he trash talks but he but he does it in pg language and he's a winner Or he he cares so much about winning even though he's never gotten a super bowl but when you think about drew Brees, he's been around for like the slang these days is in a minute it's been a minute and that means it's been a while we're talking about five minutes here maybe 10 minutes not a half hour quite yet But he's old, and he's been around for a while. But let me take it away from that example and take it to a personal example. I've mentioned this previously. Because of how the cards have fallen so far in my radio career and in my writing career, the vast majority of what it is that I get to do as a radio host is simply me behind a microphone in a one-man band situation. That's unique here on this station as it relates to a daily product. Wake Up Zone 3 hosts, Midday 183 hosts three HL, three hosts, and then the big six, me. And then, of course, you get Doug Matthews on the weekends, and it's a little bit different as you get to that. And that's not to slight those three-man teams at all. They're phenomenal. There are pluses and minuses to both of these things. Now, I feel incredibly blessed to have the ability to do this in the way that I do this. It's a different skill set. And when others offer me those chances – I usually feel as if someone sees value in me that sometimes me, because I'm usually in full-on critique mode, don't. But it's awesome. I love that I get to do this job every day, but there is a benefit to being Brett Doherty or Mickey Ryan or anybody else that has a few others in that room with them. Because while they could easily do shows on their own too because they're uber-talented, the one thing that I'm never going to get on the Big Six is any level of real, necessary rebuke when I'm off base or I'm off track or I'm weak on a topic. My buddy David Reed is to be a groomsman at my wedding. Incredibly creative, gifted in production, gifted in opinion. Rhett Bryan, ebullient, hilarious, talented. Blaine brings an athlete's perspective from the highest level. PK, more of a firebrand, but brings an experience to the way in which he approaches his opinions in journalism. Dawn offers a unique take on everything brings a wealth of college football knowledge in particular. And I could go on and on. What it is that I do, folks, I can do. But I hate that I don't think quite as creatively on the production side or have the ability to do that side of the job more efficiently, like some of my colleagues and friends. So my weaknesses are always going to be my weaknesses as long as I'm in this situation. The best part of any partnership is the other person's ability to pick you up when you can't walk on your own and in those spots where you can't walk on your own. But let's go back to money and think about money as board games. And you can look at the team analogy that I just laid out for you as part of this too. Football and its salary cap, even though that salary cap is growing. And the NBA also is a few examples. It's not just spin, spin, spend, 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 because there are finite resources and you're existing within what's called a zero-sum space. If you've never heard zero-sum before, in short, it means that there is a maximum quantity of resource. For me to get more in that system, you have to get less because you're taking from the same pie. There's no more of anything left. So the net benefit tangibly is zero. $188.2 million is the NFL salary cap this year. That went up about $5 million from last year. The NFL has what's called a hard cap. The NBA uses a soft cap plus a luxury tax if you exceed the number. The hard cap, What the NFL has, you cannot, for any reason, go past that 188.2. And so I want to talk about board games. I know that sounds strange, but this was my analogy the other day. And it kind of came off the top of my head, and it seemed to actually make some sense. So I was like, you know what, maybe I should explore this a little bit further. Two of the most played and popular board games of all time, risk and monopoly. Baseball's got no salary cap. So if you want to spend a billion dollars, you go right ahead. The haves are going to stay the haves a lot of times. And the smaller market teams, they've got to build through farm systems, they have to make savvier decisions, or they have to have something else to offer. You know, Billy Bean and the money ball method for the Oakland Athletics. It was made famous by that Michael Lewis book and then the movie that came out starring Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill. If you have the money, you can spend it. If I have 400 bucks of Monopoly money, I can choose to fork it over for Boardwalk once I land on that space. And then I have to hope people then land on it and collect their rent and then build houses or hotels and eventually bankrupt everybody else, and then I can win. And if I'm the Tampa Bay Rays, I can hopefully afford St. James Place or maybe Baltic Avenue and hope the odds are somehow in my favor. And then there's the other game, and that's risk. Risk is in many ways the exact opposite of Monopoly, although there is a maximum cash limit, meaning what's available in the bank, but I've never seen the Monopoly bank completely empty. Those coffers have never been completely emptied unless somebody's just stealing 500s. Risk, you've got a certain number of forces, a certain number of armies, and you dole those out among the territories that you control on the political map of the United States. And the goal is world domination. I said U.S., I should have said world. The goal is world domination, global domination. Eventually, your influence and your power controlling every portion of the map, that's the key. But you don't have unlimited armies to place. You start with somewhere between 30 and 35 infantry, in a three- or four-player game, and you spread those out on the territories that you either pick or were assigned to you, depending on how you play it. Usually it's about 13, unless you're playing a two-person game, at which point a large part of it goes into how those countries are doled out at the beginning. But anybody that's played risk before knows that there are some areas you really want to control quickly because they offer multiple avenues to attack everybody else. You can think of those as your quarterback or your wide receiver or your dominant pass rusher or your shutdown corner. Things that really put you ahead of the game. Those are places you want to control quickly. But it is strategy from the very first turn. It's a global political map, six continents, 42 territories. So you've got to be incredibly smart about where you place your infantry in order to give yourself the best chance at success. Because I could sit there and I could put 20 in whatever it looks like you know, Russia might be, for example. But it would then leave a lot of areas completely undefended because I have to have something everywhere or I risk that territory being taken over, be snatched up immediately. That's the hard cap. That's the hard salary cap. It's strategy. If I pay Michael Thomas $100 million over five years, that takes up X amount of my cap room. And this is where things like Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott – And the running back position versus quarterbacks and wide receivers and pass rushers comes into play. If I pay like crazy for a running back, analytics are telling me that position is dwindling as it relates to the necessity of having an elite player at that spot. If I pay that position, I am taking away resources or infantry in a case of risk that might be used better elsewhere. If I pay one guy, I might not be able to pay another. The reason the Titans have Roger Saffold this season and not the L.A. Rams is because as much as the Rams organization loved him, they knew that they didn't have the money. They couldn't afford to pay him and then still be able to shore up the rest of the team. In risk, you fortify. That's holding all your infantry that you have left in whatever territory that is. Even if you've battled, you can stop and fortify in a spot and not risking any further attack. And that's usually done because you're trying to protect something behind it. You're trying to protect something larger, maybe the continent control, which gives you bonuses. Or it's a bet that your numbers aren't good compared to what's coming and the dice are against you. So you better make sure that you hold your ground as opposed to attacking from a position of weakness. The Saints had to pay Michael Thomas because the risk of having a quarterback and wide receiver on the same page that make each other better on a Super Bowl contender... That's a no-brainer. That's a very low-risk proposition. The rewards are huge. And I know, folks, this is not a flawless analogy. But I think it gives you a rudimentary gist of expectation. And you know, I'm pretty good at both those games. And the best GMs and the best owners in sports are as well, whether they know it or not. So you have to look at it that way. If I pay here, I can't pay here. So you need to look. and you need, And you can actually do this exercise at home. And it does change depending upon the team. Zeke might be worth more than any other running back in the league, so maybe you are willing to pay him where you're not willing to pay that position generally. Or maybe you just have a hard and fast rule, I'm not going to pay that guy. It's like the old fantasy rule. I'm drafting a running back in the first round. Guess what? That almost never happens anymore. Very few running backs go in the first round of a fantasy football draft anymore because things have changed. But if you take just a stock team, don't even take your team, you can look at positions And determine first what positions are most valuable to me and then you can input the specific names and say okay that position is important to me but is for example Andy Dalton worth paying as a quarterback and I think that's where the strategy comes in technically I think I think that risk might be more fun than monopoly because it requires more strategy monopoly you know what you're doing it's not particularly complex Risk takes some thought, and you actually have to outsmart people when you have to play that. And that is the league in which we are about to spend all our time talking over this next handful of months, the National Football League. And so money has been the story of the offseason, maybe more so than it has in recent years, because guys are trying to get paid, and they happen to be trying to get paid at a position where it doesn't make all that much sense. So when we come back, I want to talk about the latest in the Melvin Gordon saga, which is asking for a trade through his agent with no leverage. This is a guy who's making a tremendous mistake. You can bet on yourself, but you should never bet on yourself from a position of not just weakness, but almost absence as it relates to any kind of leverage or power that you possess in this situation. So I'll go into that a little bit deeper when we come back. I also want to talk about Kyler Murray. I want to talk about Drew Locke and what his new head football coach had to say about him in Denver. Also want to give you a little bit on Hobbs and Shaw and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood to finish up today. So stick with us. Having a blast here at JMartZone on Twitter. This is The Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. Zone. to the big six here on 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse. They're dedicated to helping homeowners benefit from the rental boom by renting their homes the easy way. Renters Warehouse. You can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. So we laid out kind of, or I laid off sort of an off-the-beaten path way to talk about money and sports in the first segment of the show. And... Hopefully you were able to stick with me for that, and I didn't go just way off the reservation on that. But I was not interested in talking about LeBron James' social media accounts. And the David Griffin thing, I want to wait and see all of that sort of play out. Maybe I'll talk about that on Sunday morning on the Jason Martin Show, which you can also hear right here on 104.5 The Zone. First two hours live, and then the third hour will play at 6 to 7 a.m. here. 2 to 4 is where you can hear it as it begins if you're up late leaving the clubs or leaving a concert or leaving downtown or whatever it might be, you can listen to me here on 104.5 The Zone. Melvin Gordon tells ESPN last week, or his agent does, that, or he told him a couple of days ago, he requested last week, that the Chargers trade him because their initial offer of about 10 mil per season is just flat out not enough. He's 26 years old, scheduled to be in the final year of its deal. It's a fifth-year option, and it's worth 5.6 mil. So he's holding out from training camp, and he's seeking a new contract. And people close to him are saying this is going to extend into the season, that he's going to be missing games. And you heard Philip Rivers last week, and it was taken out of context or it was sort of made bigger than it was. Philip Rivers loves Melvin Gordon, but there are guys behind him that can run the football, basically saying, look, we are going to field a team. We will have somebody running the ball if Melvin's not here. That's not taking a shot at Melvin Gordon at all. The Chargers don't generally pay people. If you go through their sort of financials historically, they don't. They'll let people go. They will pay the elite of the elite. I don't think Melvin Gordon's the elite of the elite. Interestingly, Sporting News today, earlier, ranked teams that might be in the market for Melvin Gordon, and there were only two of them. And I'll tell you what they are, but they said 15 teams already have a better back than Melvin Gordon right now as their number one back. And some of the teams that they named, I wasn't so sure that I agreed with. The Lions in particular, although I could sort of understand it. I mean, the problem for Melvin Gordon is Melvin Gordon's been banged up a lot, and he plays at the running back position. And he's trying to get paid when the Chargers technically control his rights for another three years. So the Chargers, if they're going to trade him, they're going to ask for quite a bit. And so somebody's going to have to give up something pretty substantial here. And what they could give up, they could instead, if they're giving up a draft pick, they could just draft a rookie running back. And that's what we've seen is a lot of the guys that are coming out of the draft later on, and they don't have to draft one in the first round. They can draft one a little later because the Zeeks aren't just growing on trees out there. I mean, who was a pro bowler last year? Phillip Lindsay. We saw him, well, Barely saw him last night. Saw him on the sidelines more than anything else with Broncos. He was undrafted. So you can find these guys. So why are you paying that position when they don't even have a three-year lifespan in terms of their career in the NFL? And here's the other thing that's intriguing about Melvin Gordon's situation, and that comes from Section 7, Article G of the current collective bargaining agreement. There is a specific clause for fifth-year option players who hold out. That's exactly what Melvin Gordon is here. This is straight from the article, notwithstanding anything to the contrary in Article 42 or Article 4. After the club has exercised its fifth year option, any unexcused late reporting to or absence from preseason training camp by a player in the fifth league year of his contract, the option year, shall subject the player to a fine of $30,000 per day plus one week's regular season salary for each preseason game missed. So Melvin Gordon has what? 5.6 mil on his contract for this season, a one-year deal. So he is slated, and I'm reading this piece from CBS, slated to earn 17 different $329,705 checks. The NFL can find him for four of those if he holds out in the preseason. So then his earnings shrink by 1.3 mil. And the Chargers could waive those fines. I don't know necessarily if they would or not. They could be a little bit ornery about this, considering how it's all played out. And he could continue to hold out even longer. And I think that you have to look back now. And the two teams, by the way, that that are at least out there, according to the sporting news, after, as, after they parsed everything, the Texans, because Lamar, Lamar Miller is older, And Foreman is always hurt. And maybe they could do that to help out Deshaun Watson a little bit more. Give him somebody else he can hand a football to so he doesn't get hit behind that terrible offensive line. And then it's Tampa Bay. Unfortunately, they are financially constrained. They've only got $3 million left under the cap that they can spend. He would help them. I mean, they've got what? Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber. And they've got a rookie – well, not a rookie, but they've got a brand-new coach in Bruce Arians. And that could help out because you get a solid running back and somebody that can catch the ball out of the backfield. And maybe that would help out Jameis Winston. But money-wise, it would be really tough for them to be able to pull it off. So even if the Chargers wanted to try and move him – In August, it's almost impossible. That's the other problem here for Melvin Gordon is why would you wait until right now to try and do this? I mean, I know it gives you attention, but the money that people had in free agency, they've spent. I mean, consider that. Think about all the moves that were made in free agency once that time period opened up, all the deals that were struck. Melvin Gordon then waits another four or five weeks after a lot of that money's been spent, and then he shows up trying to get that. That's like everybody understands that on Black Friday, they're going to have, I don't know, 150 of whatever the hottest toy is that year. And so everybody knows that, and they get their money right, and they start spending it. And then there's this one dude named Melvin Gordon who saves money for four weeks after Black Friday and then finally gets it and then goes to try and get that toy and doesn't understand that they're not going to be in any stores. And if he wants it, you're going to have to go on eBay and spend 15 to 20 times That, just to get what you wanted to begin with. Todd Gurley, he reset the running back market, but he may have ruined the running back market. At least too many running backs now think they have value that they don't have. Melvin Gordon doesn't understand that this is 2019. And running backs, as good as he might think he he is, and I think he's really good, paying him just doesn't make any sense. So he has looked at $57.5 million for Todd Gurley in four years. And look, Le'Veon Bell looked at it too, and Le'Veon Bell didn't even get Ty Gurley money he was trying to everybody's trying to get Ty Gurley money Zeke might be the only one that can pull it off and I'm not even sure if he can pull it off he's going to get paid well but to pay Dak and to pay Amari Cooper and then to pay Zeke I will be very curious how it is that the Cowboys finagle that if they still want to field the team around it they've also had to pay Lawrence and they've already done that so Melvin Gordon is looking at a situation where if you played baseball my friend then you could be Manny Machado Or you could be Bryce Harper. Or you could be one of these guys that commands the money that you want because somebody is dumb enough to pay it. 13 years and 300 blah, blah, blah million dollars for Bryce Harper to the Phillies for a very streaky player. But he'll sell tickets and you can afford it because if you've got it, you can spend it in that sport. In football, like I talked about in the first segment, risk. I want to make sure that there is stuff all across that board. Now, I do want to put more of my resources in certain key spots. The quarterback, the wide receiver one, the pass rusher, those spots. But the running back is, I don't know. The running back at this point is the equivalent of, I don't know, Laos or something like that. Maybe that's a little bit off. But it's not even Mexico at this point. It's not even like a fairly big territory. It is a smaller territory. If we were just looking and playing risk in the United States, the running back would be like Iowa. And if you're an Iowan, I apologize. I'm just talking about from a strategic standpoint. Think about the Electoral College if you want to take it down that pathway. So Melvin Gordon's got no leverage. They control him for three years. There's almost nobody out there that can either afford him or need him. You've got one situation that feels like it could work with Houston. But I don't even know if they would be able to pull it off. He's waited too long to try and do this. And even though his agent was able to get Jarvis Landry to Cleveland in a trade and did it kind of similarly but not the same way, Landry got the franchise tag and they traded him to the Browns. But Gordon's missing training camp. He's willing to miss games. He says, I wonder how long that's actually going to go when they realize that the market out there is empty for him and he's losing this kind of money. He makes 5.6. He could lose 1.3 of that if he keeps this up for too long. So even though he thinks that he is just as good or right there with Todd Gurley, even if he was right, it would not matter because he's not perceived to be that way, and he's an injury risk. Not just one time has he been hurt. He was hurt year after year after year. Three of his first four seasons, he missed decent amount of time. I think he missed like nine total games but he would get taken out of games. And the guy behind him is averaging five yards a carry last year in Austin Eckler. So Melvin Gordon is harming himself because he's creating, I know that this is business and he's trying to get paid and he doesn't have anything personally against the chargers, but the way he's handled this and the timing of it for an agent that has gotten a lot of things done in the past, I failed to understand the logic in the approach that Melvin Gordon has taken. So again, do that exercise Write down the positions on a football team this weekend if you're just sitting around for any length of time, around the pool. Just write them down. And then set a number. Let's say I give you, let's, let's pretend like it's risk, okay? And so I give you 35. That's the total number that you can spend on your football team, 35. I'm not saying this isn't money, okay? Just look at it in terms of units. And then you have to split that 35 amongst the positions, that's, I really just want you to rank it in terms of importance. But if you want to put 15 with the quarterback, then that's going to leave you 20 for the rest of the team. So you've got to be sort of strategic about it. And tell me where running back comes in in that list. And then look at what Melvin Gordon is doing. And even though he, I understand why anybody would want to get paid, especially at a position where chances of longevity are not good. But explain why in the world the Chargers would do that. And then answer this question: How fast is Melvin Gordon going to be back on the field with the Chargers, making the money they want him to make, and not the money he wants to make? He has looked at the market for running backs and seen something that is a mirage. There was an albatross and an aberration, and that was the Todd Gurley deal, and it's leading a lot of people to think that there's money out there that simply is not there. We'll be right back. This is the Big Six on 104.5 The Zone. John, it away. It's Friday. We've made it through another week. This is the big six here on 1045. The zone reminder 6 to 8 p.m. Nissan Stadium tomorrow. Open practice. It'll be kind of a fake game. Good little scrimmage. It's gonna be the exact opposite of sort of the situational stuff you saw at Nissan last year, which a lot of people complained about because they didn't know what was going on. Everything that was fun had happened the night before at the high school. This year they're not gonna do the high school thing, but The Nissan thing ought to be a lot of fun tomorrow. Jake Owen's going to perform also a fireworks show at the end of that night. It's going to be a blast and free and discounted food. And it's a great place to take the family and just kind of get in the football mode. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. I want to talk about Kyler Murray and Drew Locke. Two quarterbacks, two rookie quarterbacks. And boy, the opinions are vastly different between the two. This is the season, ladies and gentlemen, tis the season in the NFL of two four-letter words that both begin with H, hype and hope. Right now, everybody could technically win the Super Bowl. Now, around week three, we will have already whittled down about 10 teams out of that list. And, yeah, you can look at the hierarchy and say, well, it's going to be one of these five or six teams. You can do that. But you're not going to destroy the hope of a lot of fan bases. There are 32 teams, and so everybody has some level of hope. And then there are teams that have rookie quarterbacks where the hope is that the decision was good because of the importance of that position. I've never seen a quarterback come in so quickly and be able to command an offense. I mean, from day one, he's out there checking the different plays, sliding the line, different protections, getting us in screens when blitzes are coming. His understanding of the offense is crazy. I think that's going to give us a great advantage to play fast from the first preseason game all the way to the start of the regular season and giving him the keys to the car and letting him go is going to be great for us. That quote that I just read comes from Larry Fitzgerald, who's about to enter his 16th NFL season. And that's what he had to say about his new quarterback, Kyler Murray. Larry Fitzgerald has had 21 different quarterbacks throw him passes in his 16-year career. He has caught balls from 21. That doesn't have, He probably has played with more than 21, but he's caught passes from 21 different quarterbacks. And of those, I think maybe three are respectable, with Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer being atop that list. What he's saying about Kyler Murray, this is the season of hype and hope. Like I said, the hype, you hear this about draft picks almost every year. And you hear it about quarterbacks in particular because they're the ones people want to hear about. So they're the ones that are going to get asked about, and then you're going to say comments. It's not like most players are going to bury a quarterback. But Larry Fitzgerald is somebody I listen to when he speaks. And I feel like pretty much anybody that studies, covers, plays, plays, or cares about football should, because he's such an elder statesman of the game, and he's been so intelligent throughout his career. Somehow, even as good as he was at Pittsburgh, some thought he was going to be a bust in the NFL, and all he's done is be, I don't know exactly where he ranks, but off the top of my head, I'd say he's one of the 5-10 to best wide receivers to ever play. When you look at all that he has done, and it's going to be a shame when he ends his career without a Super Bowl. But he's been loyal, and he's stayed a Cardinal. He has not gone elsewhere. I'm sure he had many opportunities through the years, but he has stayed there, and he has been sort of the unicorn of all unicorns, a superstar-level player that has just stayed home. And what he's saying about Kyler Murray makes me stop and think. And Cliff Kingsbury has said a lot of very nice things about him. There are other players that are saying all this stuff that's, oh, we've never seen a player like Kyler Murray. And that was another one of the things that Larry Fitzgerald said like he's breaking the mold, like he's going to show up and be one of the greatest of all time out of the gates. Now, that's not going to happen, but one thing I do want to point out is that early in the season, Arizona might be good. The question is, what are they going to be in Week 10? What are they going to be in Week 13 when the league has film on them? You're looking at a brand-new offense from a guy who, admittedly, even though I definitely do not think that he – should have the job that he has right now, that he hasn't proven anywhere near enough to have it. The move toward these younger offensive coordinators that have some tie-in with Sean McVay got Cliff Kingsbury that job. His offense is probably going to work early on. A lot of guys have come into the league, especially from college, and early it's been successful and then it's fallen off a cliff and then they end up back in college or out of the game or in front offices somewhere. Spurrier came in, his offense worked for a time and then it didn't anymore. So you look at Kingsbury and you look at Kyler. Kyler is probably ahead of the curve. He's a smart guy. He played two sports. Not only did he play two sports, he was drafted professionally in both baseball and football, picking football and handing back the signing bonus that the A's had given him the year before. So you can observe it from that perspective and say, okay, this guy's probably a great athlete and he's probably going to be able to pick things up. Seems to be a smart young man as well. So... I would not be the least bit surprised if Arizona comes out and they're the story of the first month of the season because they're tearing people up. But let's not forget, Kyler Murray, as smart as he is, can't grow three or four more inches. He's going to be 5'9", 5'10", max, pretty much his whole career. And when I say pretty much, I mean 100% of that career. He has stopped growing, I think. Cliff Kingsbury, his offense... Eventually, you're going to see what it is that he does. You're going to have it on tape. You're going to see how Kyler runs it. You're going to see how everyone operates it, what the blocking schemes look like. And then it's going to be time for Cliff Kingsbury to adjust at some point. And I don't know whether or not he is someone that will do that or not. And then Kyler Murray, once the league has a look at him, usually the league catches up to you. But that's generally, that happens when you rely on gimmicks. I don't know if Kyler Murray relies on gimmicks. Like I don't think they're catching up to Pat Mahomes because Pat Mahomes just has skills as a quarterback. It's not some quirk that you can then prepare yourself for. Remember Hideo Nomo? And when he came into the major leagues with the Dodgers, no one could hit him. And then two months later, he couldn't get anybody out. That's what I'm talking about. Usually you adapt, but that's when there's some like twitch or quirk or hitch to a release. You've got to get used to the way that they do it, but... There are smart coordinators that figure this stuff out. So I'll be curious to see what Arizona's record is in week 12. I'm not going to overreact. I'll tell you this right now. I'm not going to get on these airwaves in the first month of the season and talk about how the Cardinals are going to win the Super Bowl if they're 4-0. I'm still going to say let's be cautious. Let's slow down. This looks really good. This may turn out to be really good. But I want to see this thing through because I want to see what it looks like when the league has a little bit of tape on this guy and when they've had a little bit of time to consider how to attack Kingsbury's team and how to attack the offense in particular. But like I said, when Larry Fitzgerald talks, that's generally something to pay attention to because even though there is a lot of hype and there are a lot of people that say a lot of blustery things and a lot of glowing things that have no substance behind them because you don't want to kill the confidence of a young football player and you don't want to kill the fervor of a fan base. Nothing worse than apathy, folks. I would rather you hate me than not care about me at all. I'm serious. Like, if you hate me, you're still probably going to listen to me as a radio host because you at least want a reason to hate me in public. Like, what I say if you don't like me, you can go to the dinner table and talk to the other four or five people at that table about why you don't like me. And if you like me, then you're going to take what I say and agree with a lot of it or at least agree with my approach on it, and you're going to take that and you're going to talk about it. What you never do is talk about stuff you don't care about. And that's why I look at social media and I wonder why we spend so much time on it because we find a way to get angry and irate And beside ourselves about stuff that has little to no meaning at all to us. We just want to be a part of some conversation. And I say we, maybe it's not you. Most of the time, it's not me. Sometimes I get sucked into this. Most of the time, it's all in my head. I'm scrolling the timeline and I'm having opinions on all the things that I'm saying or seeing. And I decide not to say anything on it at all, at least. It would be awesome if I didn't even feel the need to scroll the timeline in the first place. So there's a lot of hype. But when somebody has played 16 years in the league, that's as professional as it gets, as high an IQ and just athlete on the field as you've ever seen, just in terms of if I was starting a team, Larry Fitzgerald would be one of the first five people I would take in the league still today because I would want that guy in my locker room, and I don't know that there are better hands that I have seen in the past 20 years in the league than I've seen from Larry Fitzgerald. So I listen when he talks. Some people you don't, but this ain't Peter crying wolf. Larry Fitzgerald's not known for hyperbolic speech. He's not known for just saying stuff for the sake of his mouth moving. So I am very curious to see how this team looks. But again, if they're 4-0, resist the temptation to start talking about how great they are. Wait until week 12 and 13. Now, if they're still rolling then, then we'll be talking a lot of Arizona Cardinals football on the Big Six, which we will finish up our week coming up next here on 104.5 The Zone. Final segment of the program, final segment of the week. Finishing up live and local here on a Friday night in Music City. Big 6, 104.5 The Zone. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Jason Martin Show, Fox Sports Radio, 2 to 4 a.m. Sunday morning. And then 6 to 7, you can hear the third hour of the program. And then Square Circle Radio from 7 to 8. And then next week, I'm in for Clay Travis along with Jeff Schwartz. All week from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. right here. You'll hear the first hour live on 104.5 The Zone for Outkick to Coverage. Next Saturday, a week from this week, I will be in for Jonas Knox from 1 a.m. to 5 a.m., also on Fox Sports Radio, and then my show from 2 to 5 plus the Big 6 will be with you a lot next week. Titans preseason opens against the Philadelphia Eagles. Thursday coverage begins 4.30 here on the zone, so you won't hear me on that day. That might be a day I take a nap, honestly, because just laying that out was exhausting, and somehow I'm actually going to have to execute those things. But I'm so incredibly blessed to have those opportunities. And, you know, I wanted to talk about movies, but if you'll allow me just to talk to you for a second, I had a really close friend, another one of the groomsmen in my wedding, which is like 52 days away, which just boggles my mind. You want to talk about blessed? My goodness. I can't wait to get to the altar to marry this woman. She is the best person I've ever known. And she certainly makes me the best version of me that you could ever meet or experience. But he made me think about something, and I want, I want to put this out here. When I say that I'm blessed beyond measure, I want to make it clear that I'm not saying that because of my belief or because of my faith, all of a sudden my life becomes super easy and all these things just shower down upon me. I'm in a very, very good season of my life right now. Not everything is wonderful. There are some things that are going on in my family, uh, just just some health things that are worrisome, and and things that I'm praying about, and things that I need help with. But things are going really well. Really well. I just want to make sure that it's clear that the Christian life is not easy. In fact, it's harder. And I get a lot of DMs because I say my DMs are wide open at Jmart Zone for for faith conversations. And I have people that will lay out full cases for me and tell me, I've believed since I was 18, why has all of this happened to me? And I don't have an answer for you other than to say that every challenge can be a moment where you view it as that's unfair or you can view it as what are you trying to teach me here? And you can look at that as an invitation to greater intimacy from a spiritual perspective get closer to him get closer to all of that even though you may not see the effects you might not even be able to see the finish line yet you just needed help taking the next step so i just want to make sure that it's known that i'm not saying that riches are going to fall from the sky but i am blessed because i recognize that there is nothing that i could do in this world apart from my lord and savior nothing And with him, anything is possible. And when I look at my bride-to-be and I listen to her talk and just how brilliant she is and how hard she works and how many people that she helps and the kindness of her heart and all of those things, I see in her everything that I have always wanted and things that he has shown me over the past few years that are far more important than anything I ever would have imagined possible. So I just, I just wanted to put that out there real quickly. That I am not trying to sell you on benefits that you're going to be able to see tomorrow. I am trying to sell you on the idea that you can find rest and you can find peace and you can find joy. And there is a way to live life away from cynicism. When you look towards optimism, when you look towards seeing the best in people, Giving them the benefit of the doubt, not feeling wise in your own eyes all the time, knowing that you can surround yourself with smarter people, with more experienced people. You can talk to your grandparents and you can listen to what it is that they have to say, things that you wouldn't otherwise have thought about. You don't have to go through life. Remember, I talked about in the first segment about how. I'm behind the microphone a lot and my weaknesses are always going to be my weaknesses because I don't have somebody else that can then pick me up. Like I don't have somebody that's funny when I'm not funny or I don't have somebody that can create some great five minute piece of audio like David Reed does. Or if it is me, I can do it, but it's going to take me a long time. He can put that together and offer it to me. They can come up with games. They can come up with all this kind of stuff. Me, it's just me. What you need to know is your life doesn't ever have to be just about you because it's never been just about you. You have a partner in this. And when you realize that you can take your hands off the handlebars and someone else has been in control, continues to be in control, then you can look at everything that comes your way, positive and negative, through a completely different prism. A lot of it is going to hurt 85% of life, I think I heard this stat earlier this week, 85% of life kind of stinks a lot of times. But it all depends on perspective. There's an old Larry David advertisement for Curb Your Enthusiasms, I think it was the third season of the show, where he's staring down at a glass of water and he's just thinking. And the idea behind the ad is how do you view that glass? Is it half empty or is it half full? For him, it was always half empty because he's a very big pessimist. I used to rely on pessimism and sarcasm and cynicism, and I still fall into that trap. But if there's one thing that I have learned, it is that that does not necessarily benefit you, and it does not always reflect well upon you. So I apologize in the past when I have done that to my detriment. And so I want to give you some movie reviews. Hobbs and Shaw, you can read at the Big Six blog. I'm going to write on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now that I've seen it, had time to put uh, put some thoughts to that. And we'll be back with you with the Big Six on Monday. Just, just some thoughts on the way out the door. I appreciate you letting me share. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless and good night.